Andre Bella for Esoterica, a short feature about extraordinary happenings. This is part two of This One's For You, Ken. Part one was about growing up in the socioeconomic diversity of an affluent Connecticut town. The kids in my high school fell into three categories. The upper-class kids whose fathers worked as executives in New York City and the middle- and lower-class kids whose parents were mostly second-generation immigrants, like my father's family. Our high school curriculum had two very separate tracks, college prep and business. Basically, young males of the business track were called hoods. Picture John Travolta in flash dance, tight pants, and greaser haircuts. So here's part two of This One's For You, Ken. Ken sat behind me in geometry. Normally, we wouldn't have been in the same class because I was in college prep and he was in business, which translated into typing, shop, and basic math, definitely not geometry. But there he was, a tall, handsome Italian hood, playfully flirting with his most unlikely match, me, the principal's daughter. Our white-haired geometry teacher, long past retirement age and extremely hard of hearing, would turn his back to the class, lost in his own soundless world of endless geometry formulas. Thus was created the magic moment for Ken to whisper tenderly in my ear, Andre, honey, will you marry me? Embarrassed and shy, but attracted to his boldness and good looks, I anticipated each geometry class with an exquisite mix of fascination and embarrassment. One day he passed me his class ring, carefully wrapped with a piece of pink yarn so that it would fit my small finger. As the deaf geometry teacher wrote endlessly across the chalkboard, Ken whispered, Will you wear my ring? I could barely admit to myself that I looked forward to every class when Ken would call me Andre Honey and ask me to marry him. It was absurdly tender. I never saw Ken after our geometry class, but two years later, I read his obituary in the Greenwich Times. Despite his A in geometry, he dropped out of high school, joined the army, and gone to Vietnam, where he was killed in the war. Reading that obituary just broke my heart. But with that came the knowing that all the ethnic prejudice in the world meant nothing to me compared to a tender, nameless relationship between two people. Somehow it all became incredibly simple. But Ken also changed my life in another way. As a teenager, I believed, as my parents did, that the war in Vietnam was protecting us from communism and preserving democracy in the free world. I went along with the popular Barry Goldwater belief that if we would just bomb Hanoi, all would be well and the war would quickly be over. But I changed my mind the day I read Ken's obituary. The war suddenly became terrifyingly personal. And everything that was happening in Vietnam seemed even more meaningless and terrifying when my husband was drafted into the army. He was lucky. He came home. But so many of our friends died in Vietnam, just like Ken. Shortly after the war, I went to my first Quaker meeting, where I met a couple who had volunteered in Vietnam, where they helped make artificial limbs out of crashed airplanes for soldiers who'd had their limbs blown off. These Quakers were no armchair analysts. They were the real thing. And after all these years, am I still against war? Well, I am, for me. I don't put any judgments on anyone else. But I bet Ken would agree with me, as the bumper sticker says, 
war is not the answer. I wish more than anything that Ken would be with us at our 50th high school reunion this year, and maybe he will be in some way. Now, as I look out over the river by my house, I hear him laugh and say, Sure, you were the tall, skinny blonde I'd love to flirt with. That was a long time ago, but I'd never forget you. Perhaps the only boundaries between people are the ones we allow to exist. Without these boundaries, we can create a world of limitless joy. So thanks, Ken. This one's for you. For Esoterica, I'm Andre Bella. Thanks for listening. 